All right, uh, good evening. Uh, here's uh, a thought for an introduction, thinking about the name of the Lord. So, Lord, we just ask you to bless this, this moment, these moments, as we think about this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I am. I'm going to take a dive. I'm going to, I'm going to use the iPad. So, just, I, just, I've always wanted to, yeah, I know, I know it's a risk. It may never come up here again, but I'm going to, it'll, you'll see it. it. It'll work. I think it'll work. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's start with this passage uh, from David uh, in the Psalms, Psalm 17, 5, uh, 17, 15, I'm sorry, 17, 15. Uh, but when I see your face in righteousness, when I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. This is the uh, Christian Standard Version I'm reading. Um, when I see your face in righteousness, when I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Um, there's a couple of places in the Old Testament, Jacob and uh, in Genesis 32, and also, there's another man, Manoah, who is the father of Samson uh, in uh, Judges 13. Uh, both of them asked for the name of the Lord. What is your name? What is your name? They asked for the name of the Lord. And uh, the Lord didn't answer them. Why? Why do you ask for my name? Uh, with Manoah, he said, why do you ask for my name? It's too wonderful for you. And um, I'm thinking, like, what is the hard attitude in order to get to know the reality of the person of God and the character of God and the nature of God, to know his name? How is it that we should be? How do we, how does, how is this um, triggered in God, if that's the right word? Maybe that's the wrong word. God, I think, wants us to seek him. It's part of the meaning, I think, of why uh, in Ecclesiastes it says he has set eternity in our hearts. There is something in every person. I'm reading an interesting little book that's called, um, uh, <laughs> how's it go? It's something about um, expulsion. Like, I mean, your heart needs to expel something by, by uh, grabbing hold of something. You, your heart needs to have something in it. God has set eternity in your heart. There's like a a thing that's longing for God. And we know from the story of Moses that uh, Moses was different when Moses was on the backside of the desert. And uh, when Peter was at Caesarea Philippi, we know that these heart attitudes were maybe different from Jacob's and uh, the father of Samson. Their hearts were different. God couldn't say to this man, this is my name, because he couldn't be sure of how he was going to use that name. And he couldn't tell. He could give Jacob a new name, but he didn't tell his name to Jacob. The scriptures tell us this. But when it came to Peter, and they're at Caesarea Philippi, and there's this whole region of pagan shrines and everything, you know, Jesus declares who he is. But he doesn't declare it himself. It's revealed from the Father to Peter, and Peter expresses it. Who do you say that I am? And they're thinking, they're thinking, and then it comes out of Peter. And when we look to the story of Moses, we know that the story of Moses is that he's on the backside of the wilderness. 
He's caring for his father-in-law's flocks. And then there's a fiery bush. And at first, he doesn't really pay attention so much to it because he's seen, you know, ragweed and stuff like that go up in flames before. But they go up in flames. And then there's a pile of ashes. But this wasn't going up in flames. And then it says, when Moses turned aside, when Moses turned aside to examine the situation, to see what was in this bush that wasn't in there before. God spoke to him and talked to him. That's why I started with this thing, this verse from Psalm 17. It's about facing God. It's about seeing his eternity, seeing who he is. So we know that there's this name. Now, Pastor Schaller talked about this tetragrammaton, this name Yahweh. So this is a little bit of Hebrew writing. It's very primitive, primitive Hebrew writing that I'm doing, but you got to know that it goes from right to left. So there's a yud or yud or yud. It's just a smudge. And then there is the hay. That's a letter. It has a little crownlet. And then another little smudge here. And then there's the vav. That's like a connecting letter. And then there's another hay here. It's a little crownlet and the little smudge there. All these smudges are supposed to be the same. The yud, 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 three of them. It's kind of interesting that the name of God begins with the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's Yahweh, Vavheh, and there's three of them. And when you see three of these things, I can't help but think in the middle of that video this morning, it was coming to us from Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy. And uh, to know the name of God and to see him face to face and to see him in his righteousness is me means to me that we're welcomed into his presence. And if our heart is seeking to know who he is, then he brings us into this relationship, this face-to-face -face relationship, and he gives us his name, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am holy, holy, holy. Yeah, I'm in all things. I'm in the smallest letter on the page. That's who I am. If you're looking for me in all of the sentences, and this is really like something that Jesus tried to communicate to the religious leaders and the scribes and the Pharisees. He's saying, you think you're finding me in the way that you're copying out the scriptures and examining the letters again and again and again. Yes, those letters say something about me, but behind the letters is my presence, and I'm inviting you into my eternity. I'm inviting you into what I've made you for, and what's your, what is your heart? Is your heart awake to it? It says, when I awake, I will be fulfilled. When I awake, and I'm thinking like, I could know a lot of the names of God on a page like that, and I could watch those names progress, but am I moved by them? Am I moved by who he is? Do I understand that these little letters, these little letters, the three little U's that go together, speak of Jesus being in all and all. And that's really the essence of righteousness and holiness. It's like God is on a great mission to bring all things into wholeness once again. Everything that he made alive with his word and his breath, he's looking to bring into 
holiness and righteousness. And when it's in our hearts and when we're awake to it, and when we turn aside to look at something that he's doing, then he can say something. He can give us his name and he can trust us with his name on our lips because we praise him with it and we live in its character and we awake every morning fulfilled knowing that the mercies are there, new every morning for us. And that's the righteousness he's called us to. So look at that. Imagine that God in the smallest detail, in the smallest detail, God is there. And not just in a part of himself, in all of himself. Holy, holy, holy. God is in all of it. And he's in all of what we're doing. And he's longing for us to wake up every morning and to face him. Isn't there, there's a verse, I know there's a verse in Jeremiah about you have given me your back. That's the real departure. You have given me your back and you're not facing me anymore. You're facing this idol and you're facing that creation of mine and you're making something with your own hands. But I am like calling you back to who I am. Will you know me? Will you know me? I am. He is. I am. Will you know me? Will you know me? You will rec recognize who I am. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. Wow. We've, we're just having quite the weekend here. Who needs a Super Bowl? Um, yeah, we had, we had an incredible marriage seminar. Maybe I'll just say a few words about that. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Jamie Thanzucker said some amazing things. They are just a fun, crazy fun couple but then deeply spiritual. And uh, uh, they said, she said something. She said, I, you know, from insecure, I'll, I'll let her tell you, but from insecurity to vulnerability to relationships. Like that's, you know, that's Christ. Christ went from vulnerability to a relationship. And that was just a beautiful statement she made. And going through trials and going through difficult times and the different dynamics that happened, uh, that happened in a marriage. Um, it was beautiful. Um, the Regans were beautiful, different seasons, different times, d difficult days, really honest. You know, I love how honest we can be with each other. No one's trying to pretend, you know, it's just pure honesty. You know, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I was this way. My wife straightened me out. Like, you know, that's allowed. We, we don't have to pretend um, and then the next morning, uh, it was another great morning. Um, let's see, what do I want to say about that? Neil said that uh, there's a lentil field and there's a battle in our marriage and we fight. We fight the battle. But here's how we fight the battle. Uh, and I, I'm abbreviating this. And again, you can go to them. I'm not trying to speak for them, but it, it touched us. It really touched us. Some battles you fight for, you talk it out, you figure it out, you get to the bottom of it, you fix it. But then there are some battles that you can't fix. And, uh, you know, uh, it's God is wounding you, and you have to accept the wound. 
And God is trying to teach you, and God is trying to get you to pick up your cross in a marriage. And, uh, you know, it can't be solved. It cannot be solved. You just got to go to God with it. And it was beautiful. I, I said it was like the language of Calvary, you know. Uh, just very touching, very beautiful time uh, to be there and to be with each other, celebrating our marriages. A lot of young people there. It was, it was awesome. Great to be there. Uh, but this morning, uh, and I, I was crying during that video. And it was, and I, was, I cannot have been the only one. That video, did you see it this morning? Wasn't that beautiful? It made me cry, honestly. It made me cry. I was trying to hold it together. Um, in the beginning, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, I, I remember that poster in the 90s. You remember that poster with the big I am in the middle of it? I know all these names of God. I, I've, I've studied that. I got a list on my laptop. You're familiar. You start listening, and then it goes on and on. Every book of the Bible goes on and on and on, and it just broke me. It just broke me. I couldn't even. We, I didn't even make it back to the highway. I'd already found the video on YouTube, and I could just see myself driving down the highway, just playing that again and again. It's going to be so edifying. But um, what was it about the video? Uh, a couple things. Number one, of course, the broadness. You know, the broadness of God, just how big and how beautiful he is and overwhelmingly big, incomprehensibly big to describe him, you know, is, is intense. It's, it's too much, you know, just that meditation on its own, just to think about that. God, describing God, how many names does it take? How many titles? What a massive attempt to try to describe God. And that's beautiful. But I had another thought, like, I was just broken by the idea of God trying to reveal himself to me. Uh, Through the entire book, over and over again, a God in heaven trying to show me who he is by, by names of himself. And me not seeing it. What a massive effort on his behalf. What incredible vocabulary, what beautiful words. To what extent, from the lion all the way to the lamb and everything in between, God saying, this is who I am. Don't you get it? A God in heaven using human language. You know, God-inspired human language. The limitations of human words and human word pictures to describe himself and falling short in one sense. There's no way, as long, I don't care how long a video you make, on this planet it will fall short. But it's just a beautiful thought, God revealing himself to us. You know, he, that's what he's been trying to do. That's what he's been trying to do. And, you know... Um, all the time we hear people saying, you know, why, why I can't see God? Why is he not here? You know, why is he not showing himself? Why is he just not showing up? Why, why can't I see him? Why is it so hard? Teenagers asked me last night, I love this question, by the way. It's a great question. Like, what if I don't really feel him or I don't see him? I don't really know him. That's a great question. Um, God is like saying, I'm trying so hard. I'm, I've done so much. I'm trying to reveal myself to you. The problem is not on my end. And you think, you think that if I showed up, 
physically showed up in this room right now, if, if we could stand it, if we, you know, if we could stand to look at him, uh, you think that would help. I don't think it would help. If we could see God, I think that it would, otherwise he would have done it, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't work on us. You know what we would do with him? We would say, oh yeah, there he is. Okay, let's stick him in the corner over there. Let's make a little temple, stick him inside there, and we'll swing by once in a while, throw some fruit or some flowers, a sacrifice, you know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Not in this state, not with our fallen state. Like, you know, um, if, he, if he forced us, it wouldn't work. If he became like some kind of abstract idea or some kind of like, you know, some kind, like, like Buddhism, it wouldn't work. It would just become all about us. If he would become the law, if he would become strict, if he would make us love him and see him, he would be like an Islamic God to us. It would, it, would, it would never work. The only way that it can work is this way, the way that he has set it up. Why? And I just was reading this, uh, you know, this book uh, by Peter, um, uh, Peter Kreef um, about uh, the three philosophies of, of life and about uh, Song of Solomon, that the creator of the universe the almighty God, the all-powerful God can create anything, can do anything except love. He cannot force love on us. He cannot do it. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants between us and him. And for that reason, this is the way it is. I will woo you. I will give you reasons to fall in love with me. I will not show up. I will not force myself. I will not create, uh, create laws, and I will not physically be there. I will not manipulate you in any way whatsoever because that will not work. You will not fall in love with me. Your flesh uh, will not allow it. You'll just manage me. I want you to love me, and the way you're going to love me is through faith. And a, and a little bit at the time, a little word, a little title at the time, a little a book, a chapter, a verse, a church service at the time, one by one, inch by inch, you will fall in love with me. And he created me with so many things that make no sense to me, that I don't really need, that are only here for one purpose, to comprehend him. I made a little list on the highway. Coming down here, he implanted in us curiosity and foresight and creativity and imagination and intellect and memory, beautiful memories and vocabulary and abstract thinking and many more things, many, many, many things that I contain, that I have for no other reason than to grasp him. And he is in heaven and he is trying to make me love him. And he started in Genesis, and he continued through every single book. And in, I'm teaching the wisdom books, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, in the Song of Solomon, he uses love so that we will fall in love with him. These beautiful pictures over and over again, verse after verse, this, this idea of a man or a woman falling in love with a man just so we can get it. And, and in Job... He uses his number one tool, his best weapon, to get me to see him 
suffering. And people say, you know, why is there, I don't believe in God because of all the suffering on this world. And I say, oh my gosh, can you imagine what it would be like if there was no suffering on this world? We would never know him. We would never know him. The suffering that we have in our life is his greatest tool so that we might see him, that we might get a little glimpse of who he is. It's, it's Ecclesiastes, he uses emptiness so that he can get through to me. In Hosea, he uses a harlot. He shocks us with a harlot just to try to explain this relationship that he's trying to force, this voluntary love that he wants us to have for him. And it works. It is working. In John, all those titles, all those descriptions of himself, the living water, the shepherd, all these beautiful names that we heard this morning over and over again. I, I just see a God in heaven trying to get through to me. Every single sentence, every single verse, trying to woo me, trying to get me to turn, try, trying to get me to look up and my thick head and myself, you know, I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so in love with myself that I can't even see God so obviously and so clearly trying to reveal himself to us in every single book of the Bible with nature, with so many tools and so many things. And, and uh, what's so beautiful is that it works. Of course it works. It works in the perfect, the best possible way. The only way that it could possibly work is this way, through faith. You know, let's read Hebrews 11 which was the verse at the end of the video. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. I love that part in the video. I love that. He is, he is, he is. Don't you get it? I am, I am, I am. Do you see me yet? Do you see me yet? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What's the reward? Himself. Himself. You know, all those books, all those verses, all those titles, the most beautiful part of it is that he even used himself. He even used himself to try to get through to us. He forespent himself, all of himself. He gave all of himself to get through to me so that I might see him for who he is, the beautiful Christ on the cross, loving me with all that love and all that beauty that he contains. Uh, you know, I just, I just, I wish that we could explain it better. I wish there was a faster way. Like I'm a, I'm a youth leader. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get teenagers to fall in love with Jesus. And I got to be honest, it's, it's not always easy. But I trust his process. I trust his way. There's no fast track to love. It's a slow process. A little glimpse at a time. And our teenagers fall in love with him. And they know who, who he is. And, uh, and uh, those names, those beautiful, beautiful names, 
you know, different descriptions of Jesus Christ. All for me to see him. Amen? Thank God. Let's do an altar call. What a, what a good message for an altar call. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're watching online. Or maybe you're here and you don't know him. You don't know him. Everything that God has given you, everything you are, you were made with the capacity to see, to know God. And... Uh, Everything he says in this book, this beautiful Bible, is so that you might see him and know him. And all your trials and all your joy and all, the, all of creation is crying out, is groaning, so that you might see him. And uh, if you don't know him, now is the time to respond to that love. Now is the time to respond to all those beautiful descriptions, all those beautiful titles. Cry out to him right now. Receive him right now. Accept him right now. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get through to you. He's trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to show you his love. He's trying to show you his grace. Accept him in your heart right now. If you've done that, you can raise your hand. You can raise your hand so we can maybe pray with you or get to know you. If you've done it at home, let us know. Send an email or, or you know, come here and let us know. The great invitation, Jesus Christ himself. He is the great invitation himself. In Jesus' name, amen.